bada boom. All right. All right, guys. So this is uh, episode three of uh, Crafted Generations with my guest, Mitchell Lefew. How's it going? Um, so Mitchell, I've known Mitchell for basically my whole life. Grew up together, sports, working together, going to school. Um, and now he's a, a member of the business and uh, working within the, the millwork industry. So um, figured I'd have him on the uh, on the podcast, let him share his experiences um, within the industry and um, have you guys uh, be able to uh, listen to it. So, you know, first things first, how, how did you, uh, you know, get into the, the millwork industry? Um, I guess that's pretty straightforward. Uh, I was just working for a printing company at the time. And then your dad actually was talking to me. He's like, Hey, I want you to come work for me. Come get into this. So sat down with him, had a conversation. And next thing you knew, I was working for your dad and next week. I mean, not, not that I was like super interested in trying to get into millwork or anything, but I was just opening, opening up to different, different career paths, I guess you could say. And thought I'd give it a shot and here I am three years later pretty much so so when you like started working um at the company did you like it right away or did it take some time to to get into it and start you know maybe thinking this is kind of what you want to do long term or were you still kind of figuring it out and open to other ideas well so I would say I was like figuring it out and open to other ideas at first for sure only because I mean you kind of have to be with finding a job that early, I guess. But um, after so long of doing the millworking for a little while, probably about three months into it, it started just flowing a lot easier. I got to know the guys in the shop a lot easier. Um, just everything just started to come together a little bit better. So it made me want to stick around a little more. So I just, I just got comfortable. Right. And I was like, I like it. It's fun. Right. And I guess having a little bit of background doing it in high school. That was like the, my favorite class I ever took in school. So that definitely helped. So, okay. So when you came in, um, what did you start doing? And then, you know, three years later, what are you doing now? Like what, what have you, you know, done in the, those past three years? Real quick, going back to what you said, just cause you brought that up. Uh, that's something that made it a lot easier to want to stick around to is cause I wasn't doing like crazy super complicated stuff for my first two months i was doing this doing that go help him go help him so kind of getting an overview exactly, of a learning the... curve so i wasn't i wasn't just thrown right into the fire if you will yeah it was nice but uh first starting out honestly like just i hate to say it, like the the slave work or whatever you know sl- sweeping the floors yeah. and whatnot and literally i call it a human clamp you're just holding things for people uh just sanding a lot of easy smaller things that you can handle without messing up really and right. not, not having experience but uh compared to now i mean i'm like i would consider myself an installer i think i could get sent out on a job site on my own and pretty much put all the cabinets in countertops measure everything out i'm i've made my way along 100 <laughs> percent. yeah, yeah. Now, what skills do you think you've, uh, you know, gained over the last three years? Oh, uh, definitely working as a team. That's one thing. Figuring out how to work with some people that maybe might have different point of views or getting things done a different way. That's something I've learned how to do. Um, Just getting along with people in general. Sometimes people can 
have some things to say. Uh, what other things? Just, I feel like just working harder in general, just being able to go in and get the job done and trying to get out without messing it up. Right. So you've worked both in the shop and on the field. The, obviously, there's a difference from working in the field and, and then working in the shop because in the shop, you're fabricating everything that right, you're going right. to then install on the field at the job site. So can you kind of give your perspective of what it's like to work inside the shop and then also what it's like to work on the field? Um, I guess my perspective on the shop, you're – the per- in inside the shop it's a lot more uh kind of i don't want to say stuck in one spot but you're you're working on one thing and you're working to get that thing done as not as fast as possible but you need to get it completed and uh, done the right way obviously because if it doesn't happen then i get sent out to a job site with it and there's some problems and whatnot but um might have to restart this one <laughs> you're gonna cut that out i could um so hold on my perspective i'm trying to think of like how i can answer this so like you so let me let me phrase the question maybe a little differently in in the shop there's you know a bunch of different machines like you got your cnc's your edge bander the down machine clamps right then you know when you're working on more custom products you got uh you're using the table saw more you're using you know chop saw and even like with solid wood, you got the the planer um, and the joiner and the the other um, machines too. So you're like dealing with a lot of different yeah, machines, right. right? So for different types of jobs, you're going to be using different types of mach- machines, right? Yes. So maybe give an example of you know uh, working in the shop. You could be, and if you're working in the CNC room, you're going to be right, laminating. Right. Um, some of the duties throwing, yeah. that you might be finding in some right. of the other rooms, I understand. Okay. Um, well, in the shop, definitely some things you might find yourself doing are like running the dowel machine, running the edge bander. Those are two of the biggest things that I find myself doing. I mean, that the dowel machine being a new machine in the shop, too, it's definitely been a learning curve for a lot of people. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, those are two things you could be doing. I mean, assembling in general, just using the case clamp and putting things together. Uh, drawer boxes. We got the the little drawer box clamp, clamp and yeah. everything. Uh, basically, just throwing everything together. Um, some of the other things I find myself doing a lot are laminating because we have full sheets that we got to laminate before we can go on the CNC. Um, um, just helping random people out, finding my way around, and saying, "What do you got for me?" That's what I've been doing a lot. Um, but and then you're talking compared to being in the field. So like in in the in the shop, you're putting everything together. Right. Um. You know, we have casework, and then we have solid wood products uh, projects. Um. So obviously, you're using different machines for both types of of work. Um. But when you go to the field, and the no matter if it's casework or if it's solid wood, you're, this whole idea is the same. Where you're installing right. it, you just gotta put it in right and make sure you don't mess it up or. Make sure it gets put in the right way, right? Uh, I get what you're saying there. There's definitely some differences when you're putting it like that because if you're working in the shop, I think I would like to say that there's a lot more like variables to take in with your work. But at the same time, you go out to a job site and there's 
there's a lot of uncontrollables. Bunch, yeah, a whole uncontrollables that are throwing your way, and you just kind of got to deal with it. So, and like examples of uncontrollables <clears throat> could be uh, working alongside other trades, or um, what are other examples that are you know out of your control, but you still have to make it work. I'll tell you right now. So the last two out-of-state installs that we did were Louisiana and Texas, and they were for the vet clinic. Um, just like you said, working around other tradesmen, that can be a big problem. So both times we've done this job so far, we've went in and they wanted us to install cabinets, but they don't have the ceilings up. So that causes an issue for the ceiling guys because they're cruising around on scaffold and it's causing them to reach over and all this stuff. They shouldn't have to be doing that. So there's one thing that you might run into, uh, things like electricians. So like outlets if, exactly, if an button. outlet's in the wrong spot, then I, I can't put my thing in or I have to figure out how to make it work or plumbing, like you said, that's another thing. Crooked walls. Yep. Drywall. There's a whole uneven lot of floors. things. Uneven floors. It's it's you, you gotta it. think you gotta think about everything going in to put a put a cabinet in, but I've started to figure out it's like it's not so straightforward as people might think. It's not, but at the same time, it starts with someone. So as long as like the first person does it right, I notice that everything else kind of falls in place. So so that first person that's usually in there, they really set the tone for the rest of the people, rest of the trades. Right. Because, I mean, just something that I've heard a lot of the guys talk about inside the shop is like, if you're given crap, it's only going to get shittier, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're given something really good, you have the opportunity to maintain it to be good. Just think about it this way. If you got 10 guys and nine of them are working their ass off, the one guy that's not is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yep. So that's why it's like when you go you into don't a site. You don't want to be the sore Exactly. Thumb. When you go into a site and you see that, it's like, all right, you got you to gotta go. And then on the other hand, you might work for another site where everybody's laying down and doing nothing but you got to be the one who's going to say all right come on we got to get our stuff done because it's at the end of the day you got to and it's got to be right and it's stuff you got to deal with sometimes but it is what it is right so okay so we talked a little bit about the uh the challenges and some like obstacles now how do you typically approach those um when you're put in a situation like that um maybe give an example of you know, an obstacle and then how you would specifically address it um, say, or a couple different ones. Like a specific obstacle, like as far as me installing a cabinet. Yeah. So like I could go in there and the floor might be three and a half inches out of level like it was in Texas. And all my first thought on any job site I go to, whether it's downtown or out in Texas, wherever, you always ask the contractor or the superintendent, whoever's in charge, because at the end of the day, they're the boss. So whatever they say, that's what goes. So like down in Texas, we had a floor three and a half inches out of level. So I can't really set it. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, if I shim up the cabinets, I have so you got three inches. Exactly. Of a gap. That's that much of a gap off the ground. So it's, it looks like crap, but. On the other hand, I got the contractor. He's like, I do not want you cutting these cabinets. Do not cut them. He's like, I'll figure out a way to make that work. So now it's out of my hands. I you did your it. part. Exactly. I did my part. I went and checked with him. What do you want me to do here? So that's he where it becomes 
like a collaborative effort where okay this is your idea right and then let me talk to the the super see if the idea works with him then you guys make it work and and that's where you know the teamwork comes into play right um how often is it where maybe you have an idea one idea and then maybe your other uh installer that you're working with has another idea like different um does that happen pretty often or are you guys pretty good at um being on the same page of how to approach things. I was going to say, I'd like to think we're pretty good on being on the same page. And I like to think I'm good at at least knowing to take a step back only because, you know, the guy I work with, Victor, he's been doing this for 30, 35 years now. So it's like, he's got, I I know whatever he says is more than likely what we should be doing. So that's why I kind of take a step back, let him show me what I should be doing. But then we go to places like Texas where I don't get to work with Victor. It's kind of like every man for himself almost on there. So um, when that happens, me and Tom, we're working together down there. We got conflicting ideas, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it sometimes just depends who you're working with because there's some people who they're, they're only going to do it the way they want to do it. So it's like you almost have to do it that way. But – there's some other people like Tom, me and him, we were able to get along, help each other out. Um, he had brought up the idea. I don't know if I told you about this. We're going to have to get this for my install box. But uh, he has these things that uh, they're like bike jacks for a motorcycle. Have okay. you seen those? Yeah, yeah. And you put a, a hex nut on it and you screw them. So we were using them to install the cabinets by you put one on the right side, one on the left side of your base cabinets you put these giant aluminum beams those yep that we use to laminate the uppers on top you screw them all together and then you raise them all up as one and i as soon as he showed me this i was like tom i've never seen this before i'm getting ready to go and buy these right now like send me the amazon link for these things yeah (laughs) because it was was it like that big of a game changer i did a whole wall of cabinets six uppers by myself he was in the other room (laughs) so that eliminates Another person having to be saying. there right. speeds up the, the install process. So, like, me and Victor, we work fast together. We do good because he gets it marked out, screws the holes. I mark the studs, get them ready. And then I just lift the cabinet up and screw it in. Yeah. But if I got these jacks by myself, I could do it pretty much just as fast, maybe 20 minutes longer and with one less person. So Victor could be in the Doing other room. Doing other, the other elevation, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So. That's well, look at that. Now we're both learning. I'm learning <laughs> know, something dude. new. You learned something I'm telling new. You, it was a game Hopefully, <laughs> you know, the people listening to this could also it take an, a nugget or two from with the laser level, too. It was a game changer. It well, was, I'm telling you, it was one, two, three. It was, it was really good. So it, it seems like that. Okay, so you've worked with Victor, he's got uh, a lot of uh, you know, experience, so you're learning under him, right? But then when you take someone else in the picture. It also opens up the door for for new, you know, ways to approach things to to. Well, and it seems like uh, that's something that maybe could be like a an opportunity to um, for for other people within the industry to maybe. And if you only have that one installer, maybe consider someone else's perspective in things because it might um, lead to something like this. Well, and I was gonna say like. Everybody at the end of the day is only going to do something the way they know how to do it, unless they're taught differently. Taught differently. So, like, I only know the way I install cabinets because Victor told me. And then, like you said, is it's nice to get some secondhand, like, 
perspective on it because I just learned a way that's a hundred times easier to do it. Right. But then on the other hand, you could learn from somebody else who it's like they make it harder on themselves. So it's just everybody at the, my point being, everybody's got their own way of doing it. You just got to find the right, the person who does it the easiest, right? you know? So, okay. So, um, <clears throat> outside of that, what skills are you looking forward to, to learn in the future? Or, or even new positions that you're you're interested in getting within millwork? Uh, I would love to potentially get into what you're doing with the CAD. I want to start doing some sort of drafting. That's really interesting to me, especially just because, like, I'm going to get a little off topic here, but just with putters, I want to do that especially too. So that's what the same thing. But uh, And then in, like, actual hardwoods, like being able to, like, actually make something nice craftsmanship you know everything 90 percent of the things that i get to work on at the shop they come off the cnc we dowel them together with glue so i don't want to say it's easy but it's like it's kind of it, it's made simple because of the cnc right. and the dowel right and case clamp method it comes to me and then it's like a lego set you know what yeah. i'm saying so i don't want to do that i want to be like making some nice things out of hardwood and coping and trim and all that stuff like mcgrath's kitchen that yeah. we did. so like i would love to be able to get into a position where i'm working on that stuff um just learning other stuff too like getting in depth with corian and learning how to glue all that and uh, heating it up veneer, and making a curve right veneer all that stuff it's really interesting to me i like i just like woodworking in general you know i mean i never really thought about it that much until i started doing it or i was like a year and a half into working here but like I said, it was by far my favorite class when I was in high school. Yeah. And then you'd always her. talk yeah, about that, Mr. Mr. Hernandez. Yeah. Um, so being around uh, a lot of people and, and building a lot of things, have you had like a lot of ideas come into your head of like, hey, you know what? That, that looks pretty cool. I wish I could build that for myself. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just besides things I've seen on job sites, too. Like, I mean, obviously, I see something like this is freaking awesome i'd love to be able to build something like that but um i i showed you that little thing that i made to hold the ball marks yep. and the the divot tools for the golf uh i want to be able to make like a putter stand that i showed you i think yeah uh, just a bunch of random things but i just i have noticed i like i see something i'm like damn that would be really cool to make yeah i definitely try so outside of that, um, so you're obviously you're in, currently an installer. Um, you know, you explain what that looks like. You also explain like other skills that you want to get into. Um, and you also touched on, you know, different common problems, how you can approach them. Um, what other challenges have you faced within millwork and how have you overcame them? Um, there, you got an idea of what the challenges might be pertaining could, to? It could be, you know, working with uh, different people in, in different cultures. That's like, you know, a challenge that I've uh, gonna say, you know, I mean, seen and I've had firsthand too. It's like, okay, um, there's a language barrier, but how do you make it work? Right. Um, and that comes with being a team player mm -hmm. and knowing how to, um, manage situations like that. That's an example of a challenge. I know what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, like Texas again, I mean, we went down with 
it was me and Tom and Emilio and Alfonso. And Alfonso's from Colombia. He doesn't speak any English. So, like, just like you said, I mean, the language barrier, it, it can be an issue. But at the same time, it's like when we're on the same page and everybody's everybody's got an idea of what they should be doing. So it's like as long as he gives me an idea or, like, he can literally just point and be like, yeah. and I'll, I'll know You'll exactly know. what he's talking about. Because, like, when we're in the zone there, we all know what we should be doing. Right. So. It's not crazy hard, but it's like it can be a, a problem at some at some times for sure. Um, just dealing with some people in general. I mean, because you never know what somebody's going to bring into work with them. You know what I'm saying? So that's another thing. Um, I don't know. Just there's always going to be stuff to deal with. I mean, you never. There, it's never, nothing's ever going to be perfect. And that was one of the things running through my head is like, whether it be people you're dealing with or the job site you're working on, it's like, there's always going to be something to deal with. Even so when you, you kind of have to have that mentality of going in there, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, exactly, like have that expectation exactly. up front. Cause it's going to make your life easier. Cause you're not going to, you're not walking in expecting perfect 90 floors and all this stuff, expecting it just to slap right in, and then you're going to get upset when it doesn't. Right. You got to know that it's not going to be right. Maybe maybe you just got to think you're going to be working with some guy you don't like. One of these tradesmen at this job site is going to be a bum or something. He's not going to want to get along. You know what I'm saying? You just got to go in with those expectations because it's going to end up making your day easier when it doesn't happen. Right. So that's something I try to do because when – for some reason, I when I get excited and amped up and I feel like I'm ready to go on a job site and I'm like, let's go, this is going to be a good one, those are always the ones that end up having the most issues. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, outside of that, have, is there any personal projects that you've uh, worked on um, or maybe ideas that you want to you know do in the future? Um, and also kind of relating to building your building, building and developing your skills too. Um, stuff like that. I mean, just I'm obviously like making those random little things that I've talked about, like out of hardwood so that I can kind of hone my skills in a little better. That's something I want to do. Um, that just the little golf stuff, that's stuff that interests me. I don't know, but, uh, I've done a lot of working with that guy, Victor and that guy, Joe, he's a plumber. So they'll take me on side jobs and stuff so I can work with them. And I've gotten to hone in my skills. I've gotten to learn like a little bit of plumbing gotten to learn a little bit of like gas line stuff and tiles and a whole bunch of different things because they just kind of rebuild houses so right that's something that i like doing kind of helps me get paid too so that's nice yeah um, i don't know just a bunch of little things i would love to be able to get into that position eventually like what they're doing to be able to like flip houses and work on houses at least so that's something i'm interested in i would love to be able to like I said, I'm trying to make, like, those smaller golf things that I'm just interested in. If I could somehow make something that would, like, blow up or... Like, like a product yeah, to sell. Yeah, exactly, like a product. That would be, like, my real dream, I guess. Yeah. As far as, like, working with wood, making something that I love that I could sell to people that they love, too. Right. Especially, you know, it would be, like, a like a niche product where... Yeah, right. You know, I know you're heavily invested within golf, um, and you know a lot about golf, so being able to make something to offer 
to the golf community yeah, would right. be uh, it's just pretty like cool. Best of both worlds for me, you know. It's like two of my favorite things coming into one. So right. That's why it's something cool to me. Um, okay, so another question I have is, what's something you wish you knew when you first started uh, within the industry that you know now? Um, I guess I wish I would have known how detailed and in-depth the industry actually is, like, compared to, because remember, my first understanding of how woods worked was in high school when we're making tables like this and not that this is like a crappy table but this is nothing compared to what we're doing now yeah so i mean knowing how complex and how detailed and everything that you really have to be to be like a a trim or a furniture carpenter that they would call us that's something i wish i would have known um just uh Knowing that nothing's ever going to be perfect when you walk in on a site and knowing that you just got to do your best to get through it. And there's always there's always a way out. You know what I'm saying? You just got to right. figure out which one's going to work. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of different things. It's hard to put my mind on a certain one, but I've learned a lot. Now, looking at the industry like from an overall perspective, um, not just within, you know, our company and everything. Do you see, like, any challenges that the industry may be facing right now or in the future? I mean, something I heard you talk about it with, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, maybe your first or second. I heard you bring it up about the age gap and how, like, for every one guy or for every get four guys retiring, only one kid is coming in or something like that. Right. So that's something that we're definitely going to be facing. But... I almost look at it like as, as an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that's one thing that's on my mind. Um, I mean, potentially, hopefully not in our lifetime. I have a feeling maybe something with wood is going to go on where they're going to try to stop using that as like a material. But I don't know. Like I said, not in our lifetime, I don't think. Right. But I don't know, just the, the age thing, that's the that's age gap, big... that's the real big issue that I see coming, is that there's just always going to be the need for work, and we're just less and less and less and less and less workers to do it. Exactly, so. and uh, building off of that too, another thing that I kind of see is the potential of uh, not having a good skill transfer, like, because there's so many people leaving the industry, that's what I'm... and there's not that many people getting into it, so that means all those skills that those people leaving aren't being transferred or maybe minimally. It's like me. I'm lucky enough to have learned from Victor, who's been doing this for 35 years, 40 years almost. But then 10 years from now, he's going to be gone. I'm only going to have 10 years of experience, and I'm going to be the one teaching somebody. Right. So I just went from a guy who had 40 years of experience teaching me to now I'm the teacher, and I only have 10. Right. So that's where it's like, going to be some problems problems down the line because there's no there's going to be a just a giant skill gap nobody's going to know what they're doing basically and so it's like it raises the question of like how do you prevent that all right you know that and it's also an opportunity too mm-hmm. in a way where okay we have all these uh people leaving the industry the skills are obviously leaving with them unless they're transferred over to the new generation so what do you see you know, potentially happening, you know, how, how would you combat that issue? I mean, something that I've looked in, 
I mean, just had like a thought about for a long time is like, for one, all of our parents, our teachers and all that, they tried like pushing us into college, or at least that's what I thought. So if we could kind of not flip that or at least start promoting to get into the trades a little bit more, like an idea that I had for a long time was trying to implement some sort of like program through the high school. So where if like you went into high, the woods class and you liked it and all that stuff, get some sort of an internship over the summer working at the cabinet shop. Yeah. Then you got like an in to work here. You know what I'm saying? Or construction companies. There's already schools and stuff that do that too. But uh, but making it more mainstream, exactly, like right. how college is mainstream exactly. within right. a lot of uh, high schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea. That's pretty good. That's something I thought about for a long time. Like, imagine if Fenton had that. How how many how many more people would be doing something like that? Right. Just because they would be introduced to it and they would have the knowledge before even going into it that. This is what I could be making, what I could be doing every day, what I'm, what my job's going to be like. So it's like it's not a guessing game. You have some background. Same thing with college. You know, you go into it and you're like, okay, I'm getting ready to hopefully get on this career path to make this amount, blah, 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 blah. So if we could just set that up for with people trade. working in the trades, they would know, like, oh, this shit ain't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. Outside of that, too, is there any other, like, opportunities you see within the industry um well i mean obviously with if that gap with all the workers and everything comes i mean obviously there's just gonna be so much opportunity for work but um you talking like i don't know like either both on a like uh just like our company or even like on a uh more general you know range of things i mean if you're gonna talk about our company and opportunities i mean i think it's a great a great thing that like hopefully we're going to be kind of like top of the food chain if you will yeah if because we're going to be doing this stuff and hopefully if the skill and people keep dropping out and we just stick around 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's hopefully what'll happen i mean i don't want to say that like i want people to fall out of the industry or anything but that if the trend continues it, it, yeah. that's what it looks like it's so, like we got to ride it out as yeah. long as we can so i look at that like an opportunity but i mean just sticking around you just got to see what happens yeah that's that's what it is i mean you can't you can't quit now you know so okay so another question i have is for people that are interested in getting into millwork or even trades in general what advice would you give them um I mean, if if possible, I would say try to start in high school doing it in your woodshop class because that was the most fun I ever had doing this and was definitely a good introduction. Um, just practice if you can. Try to get comfortable working on those machines because that's the one of the biggest learning curves is like getting comfortable trying to make a cut on the table saw and running the planer and the joiner and all that stuff. So don't be afraid of the machines because that's when they're going to hurt you. If you're afraid of it, that's when it's going to hurt you. Um, just work hard because that's something you have to do. I mean, tradesmen, they'll tell you till the day they die, they work hard. So you just got to give it your all, do everything you can. Um, you just got to know that, like I said earlier, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but you got to try your best to make it perfect. So right. Just stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what else to say. It's it's kind of it's kind of just a learn as you go thing, you know. I'm still learning as I go, so right. I'm just taking it all in as I can. So like basically, like a uh, kind of like summarizing that in a way. It seems like if you want to get into the industry, uh, to figure out if you like it or not like it, you have to start doing things because just by someone telling you. You know what it's like. It might not be enough to, you know, have you make a decision on whether or not you want to be, you know, in the the industry long term. Um, also, another thing too, there's the physical shop side of things, and then there's the office side of things too. So you do have the opportunity to, you know, if you're not going, or let's say you go in there for the shop, and you know you get your experience within there but you're like maybe i want to move on and and move into an office role you have this shop experience to then take that into an office role whether it's project management estimating um drafting or cnc programming stuff like that so then that's another piece of advice i would give someone that's that's thinking about getting into the industry of maybe you know to get in there, you might have to do some some shop work first, but maybe you're not going to do that the whole um, your whole career. But and I'll tell you right now, I mean, if you almost any job you go into, it's going to be like that. I mean, in an office, you might not be sweeping the floors, but you're going to be doing everybody's work they don't want to be doing. The you know admin work, yeah, exactly. So that's going to happen no matter where you go. It's just you got to be willing to stick it out, right? Willing to show people that's all. That's why they do that. They want to see how dedicated you are. They want to see how long are you going to stick around, you know? What, what can I put you through before you finally just give up? So it's not like they're putting you through slave work or anything. No. But they're... It's just part of the process. It's part of the process. And you get to understand things from the bottom up. That's, exa- that's all it is. You just got to prove your worth. They're not going to give you a big project if you're a week into it and... You haven't done anything, obviously. So you gotta you gotta be there. You gotta prove your worth. You gotta show you care. You gotta get there on time. Do your job and just stick around, and it'll work out for you. Yeah, that's all you can do. So all right, well, I uh, you know enjoyed a lot of this and uh, got to hear your perspective. Um, If people wanted to reach out to you, how how? Would they be able to reach out to you? Can I double check on my PO email real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me pull that up real fast. But I think it's Mitchell.po at Gmail, I want to say. Hold on here. Ooh, I, can, I don't even know how to pull up my inboxes. Oh, you know what? Lefew, L-E-F-F-E-W dot P-I-O at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Well, I appreciate this. Appreciate you, buddy. We'll probably be doing another one in the future. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.